had a, a good afternoon. Uh, if I didn't tell you this morning, I hope you had a great Christmas. I hope you had time to worship. Uh, I hope you had time to rest. I hope you had time to spend with family. And uh, as I was thinking about Christmas, especially Christmas as I'm older, I realized there's a whole lot of things that I just absolutely love now that I wasn't a big fan of when I was younger. When I was younger, and if I opened a Christmas present, and that Christmas present happened to be an item of clothing, my thought was, why is this not a toy? But I'm going to tell you, I got some socks for Christmas this year, and I was pretty excited. Uh, I remember waking up in the morning, and, and you would smell the coffee, and I remember my parents let me taste the coffee, and I just couldn't imagine putting anything worse in my mouth. But coffee's a beautiful thing. When the kids wake up early... They're excited, you're going to get coffee, it's just a beautiful thing. I remember naps used to be punishment. Remember that? If you don't watch out, you're going to have to go take a nap. And now, when the grandparents have the kids and I can go take a nap, it is, I think it's like a spiritual discipline. Like it's a beautiful, restoring thing uh, to our soul. And I think there's a lot of things like that, that when we're younger, we just don't appreciate. And as we get older, like this is, this is incredible. You know, as, when we're younger, you've got to eat the vegetables to get dessert. And then when you get older, all of a sudden vegetables are... You know, something that you enjoy, you look forward to. Granted, there's enough butter and bacon and cheese that may not have any nutritional value, but you at least appreciate it. And I think a lot of things are like that. I think sometimes church things are like that. You know, I can remember being younger, and sometimes it was a struggle to sit through a sermon. You know, it was difficult to slow down and focus and pray. Uh, Maybe reading the Bible just felt like a chore. It felt like school. It felt like something that you had to do. And so my prayer tonight is that when it comes to reading the Bible, maybe we'll learn a few new things, a few new approaches that kind of reinvigorate uh, reinvigorate our zeal and our excitement for God's Word. And the best illustration for for, uh, what we're going to do tonight is is in regards to to fishing. Now, uh, fishing for me when I grew up, especially early elementary school, uh, it was exciting all for about three minutes. And that's if the fish were biting. If you've ever taken a young child fishing, you know, uh, unless the fish are biting, like right then, they're, they're out. And so I learned to fish kind of like a lot of people probably as you go out there and there's a, there's a hook and there's a line and there's a bobber and you put a worm or a cricket on there and you throw it out there and you just sit and you just watch and you hope it goes underwater. And if it goes underwater, you know, you reel it in and most of the time you've, you've caught a brim that's, you know, maybe that big. If you're lucky, it's the size of your hand. And so it's, it's fun for a little while. If the fish are biting. And so that's what I grew up. I, you know, I would go fishing. I would never really get excited about it. But I, I remember distinctly somewhere around, somewhere around the seventh grade where I had an experience that just it completely transformed my idea of fishing. And my dad had a friend. He, he grew up, the, he was a part of the church. And he said, we want you to come over to our house and go fishing. And they lived in an area, I guess kind of like Bay Meadows. You know, they had their house and there was a, a pond, a lake behind their house. And so he invited us to come out, and he had a little boat. And so, of course, I come walking up with my, pu- my push-button pole and, and my hook and my bobber and my little uh, thing of worms. He just kind of laughed at me. He said, no, 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 we're not, we're not fishing like that. I said, well, I don't know what you mean. And, and he took my line, and he cut my hook off, and he tied this minnow-looking thing about this big, and it had six hooks just dangling from the bottom of it. And, you know, I was just remember thinking... Most of the fish that I catch are about this size. I don't, I don't think this is going to work. But he tied it on, he put us in the boat, and he pushed us out, and he said, there's a pipe over there where water comes out at the end of the lake. We want you to go over there and just cast a couple of feet in front of the, the pipe, and then don't, don't let it sit. Reel it in, reel it in fast, and then slow down, and fast, and slow down, and fast, and slow down. And so 
know, we, it was his pond, it was his boat, and so we went and we did, and we, I cast it out there and, and did that. I was like, well, this is at least better than sitting and watching the bobber float. And I cast again, and finally the third time I cast, and all of a sudden it just kind of caught me off guard. The line got tight, the rod bent in half. I was like, I have landed something. And before I knew it, I'm reeling in, and this fish just leaps out of the water and starts shaking its head and splashes back down, and there's just this fight and jump and dive thing. And I, I pull a fish out of the water that's not like this. It eats fish like that. You know, it's, it's like, oh, it's that big. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's that big. And I just remember, I'm like, man, this is fishing, you know? And I was excited, and it, was, it wasn't this sit and watch and wait. It was this active, enjoyable thing that, that I was excited to do. And so I, I learned, that it, was, it was called a crankbait, and so I learned what a crankbait was, and I went to Walmart, and I bought some, and I started learning how to fish, and I bought some plastic worms and lizards and learned how to fish those along the bottom, and I ended up getting some top water lures, and, and when I get, got tired of fishing on the bottom, I would fish along the top of the water, and the fish would just leap out of the water and grab that, that lure, and if you've ever seen that, it's just a beautiful thing, and then as I got older, it's like, I'm going to try fly fishing. And so I started fly fishing. And, and then my dad got a little bit older. He said, hey, I think you need to go out and see what's in the ocean. You know, there's some different fish, some crazy fish in the ocean. And so we went out in the ocean and we did some trolling and some bottom fishing. And we caught fish that were just, just enormous, you know, fish that I'd never seen before. And all of a sudden, my world got opened up. And, you know, there's a whole lot more fish in the world than these little brim. And there's a whole lot of different ways to catch them. And it can be a whole lot of fun. You don't have to just sit and wait, and, and you, you can go after it and enjoy it. And, and I hope tonight kind of we'll have the same experience with God's Word. I think we all tend to approach God's Word in, this, in the same way. We, you know, we keep cast in the same way. And sometimes I think we'll kind of all admit it, sometimes it feels a little, little dry. It feels a little boring. Sometimes maybe we feel like we're just kind of stuck in a rut. And so tonight what I want to do is kind of open up the toolbox of Scripture and just kind of show you some different ways that Scripture speaks about Scripture. And maybe it'll kind of uh, just renew your excitement for God's Word and put a few more tools in your tackle box. And so to do that, we're going to hop around a little bit. Um, we're going to cover seven, seven different tools, seven different ways. We're going to start in Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. It's a simple, simple verse uh, Paul's writing, he says simply this. He says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. So faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. And here's the first level really of interacting with scripture. Uh, it's just it's hearing God's word. You know, most of the time we jump into, I wanna, I'm going to read God's word. I'm going to read God's word. I'm going to study God's word. I'm going to focus on God's word. But what Paul says is, is that faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. And if we think about really the experience of most of our forefathers in the Old Testament and even Jesus' life as uh, a churchgoer, it was very different. Uh, in the Old Testament, most of the people would have been illiterate. They just wouldn't have had an education. They would have gotten old enough to work and they would have worked. And so they wouldn't have been able to read. They wouldn't have been able to study. And so everything that they would have heard would have been oral. It would have been passed down. Uh, the scriptures would be reserved for those who were educated. And even in, uh, in Jesus' day, uh, the scriptures would be handwritten. You know, they, they, scribes would, would copy them word for word on a scroll. And so it may, take, it may take up to 10, 12 families to get together to have enough money to, pur to purchase 
a copy, a, a scroll of the scripture that they could all share at the synagogue. You can, can you imagine your Sunday school class just had one, one copy of the scripture, just kind of roll it out there? And, just, and so the idea was is that you had to hear, you had to hear God's word. There's, there's some times in the Old Testament we can see it playing out. You can see um, in, in Deuteronomy, Moses is about to, to pass away. The Israelites are about to step into the promised land. And so Moses gathers all the Israelites together, and he reads for them from the book of the law. And they, they stand, they sit, they just listen. The same thing happens in Joshua. They're about to split up and spread out in the promised land, and Joshua calls them all together and says, you need to listen to the book of the law. And we see in Ezra and Nehemiah, they're coming back, they're restoring the temple after the exile. They gather the people together, and the people simply listen, they hear the word of God. And there's actually a passage in in the New Testament, there's a passage in in Luke chapter 4, but I don't want you to turn there. Okay, I don't want you to turn there. It's kind of, a, kind of a neat passage. It kind of gives us a picture of what Jesus' experience with church would have been like. And so I'm going to ask you to do this. I'm going to ask you just to try this out. As one of the rare times in church, you get, the, get the, I guess, permission to close your eyes when we're not praying. So anyway, I'm going to give you permission. I just want you to just close your eyes, and I want you to picture this scene, picture Jesus, picture, picture how this plays out. All right, here, here's how it goes. Talking about Jesus, and he came to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up. And as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, and he opened the book. And he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, And recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And then he closed the book. He gave it back to the attendant and he sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. All right, you can open your eyes, you can slap your neighbor, you can wake him up. You know, there, there's something special about just hearing God's Word, just enjoying it, not feeling like you have to, to, to focus in your eyes, but just to be able to, just to receive and hear God's Word. And one of the things that I love uh, just about, I guess, modern-day convenience, I remember my dad had a, copy, uh, had a copy of the Bible on tape. You know, I think it took up the whole front seat of his car. There was like... 87 tapes, you know, and then we got CDs, and now on my phone, you know, my Bible app, version Bible app, I can be looking around, and I can click, and so I can be driving in my car, and when I get tired of the radio, I can listen, I can listen to God's Word on a road trip, or when I'm going for a run, I can listen to God's Word, and I can just hear, and I'm going to tell you, this, is, this has been really cool lately. Um, as I've been reading God's Word, I've had God's word playing, and what it's done is it, it's forced me to slow down and pl- pay attention to what I'm reading. If you're anything like me, your mind goes a lot faster than your ears, right? And so you can think a lot faster than you can hear. And so as I've been listening to God's word, it's forced me to slow down and, and pay attention to what, uh, what's, actually, what's actually there and what God has for me. And so one of, the, one of the first ways we can interact with God's word just at a surface level is we can hear God's word. And we can do that through... Uh, through apps, through CDs, we can just slow down and, and pay attention. There's people with much better voices than mine that are, that are beautiful to, to listen to. So that's the first level. Here, here's the second. We find it in Psalm 1, uh, and it's this idea of meditating. Psalm 1 says this. It says, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, 
nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. And then Joshua, at the beginning of the book of Joshua, as he's starting his ministry, he makes this, uh, he makes this statement, Joshua, Joshua 1.8. Uh, or God makes this statement to Joshua. He says, The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall med- meditate, it, meditate on it day and night. Now, about, I don't know about you, but when I think of meditation, I, I tend to picture somebody sitting barefoot on the floor, cross-legged, holding out some weird fingers and just kind of, um, you know, I, I picture incense going up, I hear a gong in the background, I just, I, I picture this weird thing that almost seems non-Christian, you know, I mean, it almost seems unbiblical, it just seems a little too far out there. But scripture, scripture talks about meditating, and, and the difference is this. I think a lot of Eastern meditation all, is all about like emptying your mind and clearing your mind and just you know, getting rid of all your thoughts, whereas uh, Christian meditation is actually different. You're trying to fill your mind. You're trying to fill your mind with, with God's words, with his thoughts, with his, uh, his truth. And so here's, here's how I like to explain it. Uh, I'll, I hate that all my illustrations go back to food, but they just do. Uh, I, love, I love ice cream. I've always loved ice cream. My granddad ate a bowl of chocolate ripple ice cream every night before he went to bed, and I just, I love ice cream. Uh, and I love stuff in my ice cream, you know what I mean? I love cookie dough, some brownies, some cookies, some Heath bar, some Butterfinger. I keep going, but I love stuff in my ice cream. And so when I eat my ice cream, I like to savor it. I like to put it in my mouth. I like to let the, the good ice cream kind of melt away and enjoy that. And then you've got this treat of like the extra goodie that's left. And so when it comes to meditating on God's word, that's the best way that I can kind of describe it is when we slow down and savor each individual word of scripture. And so uh, one of the scriptures I think that we all know is, uh, is the Lord's Prayer. We don't really think about it as scripture sometimes. We think of it as a prayer, but it's, it's in the Sermon on the Mount. It's in Matthew. Uh, and it, you know, normally when we think of it, we just kind of go through the whole thing. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Uh, but we can meditate on that in the, in the same way. We just slow down in one word at a time. We just stop and we think about one word. And so we just start, we just start with our our, and we think about what that means, the fact that our, he's our God, we have a relationship with him, and he's our, he's not just mine, like he's ours together, we all have this relationship with God, our father, he's not just God, he's father, like he loves me, he cares for me, he, he provides for me, he protects me, he's there when I'm calling, like he's, he's there, he's, he's father, our father who, like God just isn't this this thing, this force, he's a who, he's a person, I can know him, I can talk to him, I can communicate to him, our father who is, like, God just wasn't, you know what I mean, like, God is today, he's just as much around and active and moving in the world right now in this moment than he was when Moses saw the burning bush, and when David killed Goliath, like, our father is, he is right now, and so you see how you can kind of take a, a passage that you know, and you can meditate on it, you can just slow down and think through each individual word, and really, really connect with God in a powerful way, and so uh, we've got, we can hear God's word, we can meditate on God's word, the next one's pretty simple, it's a familiar one, we find it in Psalm 119.11, but a lot of other places, uh, it says this, it says, your word I've treasured in my heart, that I may not sin against you. 
you know, uh, if you've got kids or grandkids in Bible drill, they do an incredible job uh, of this. They, they spend time and they memorize scripture. The kids at First Academy, uh, I'll just, you know, I'll kind of be walking by and I'll hear them and they'll just be quoting the scripture. And, and kids do a really good job with this. I think us as adults, I think we just kind of go, I'm done. You know, like I've, I've memorized and I've done all the studying. We kind of get to the point where we just, we feel like we can't fit any new information like memorization in there. But um, we can you know, I'm, there's, there's a few people uh, that I'll talk to uh, in, in the church, and they can tell me everything there is to know about the Georgia Bulldogs or the Atlanta Braves or teams. You know, they, they, just, they can quote the scores. They can tell me how things have played out. They can tell me the players. They can tell me past players. They can tell me, the, like, the new recruits, who's coming up. And the reason is, like, they, they love it. They enjoy it. They pay attention, and so they can, they can memorize it. Uh, my dad, if I call my dad, I'll call my dad every now and then because I have tax questions. And I, like, I'll just tell him like the numbers and letters of a form, and he'll, he'll know every question. He'll know exactly what I'm uh, getting at, and he'll just, he, just, he knows it. He knows all those tax forms because uh, he works with them every single day. I, I won't do this, but my guess is that there's somebody in here that I could ask you to come up, and you could either say the preamble or you might be able to, to rattle off the periodic table. There might be somebody in here that could do that. Uh, there are certain things that we memorize when we're seven years old, and they just, they just stay with us. And we can hear the first few lines, and we just start rattling it off. And so the thing is, is, when it comes to memorization, we memorize things that we study. We memorize things that are useful, and we memorize things that we love. And so when it comes to Scripture, I think Scripture surely, surely fits in there somewhere. You know, I don't think I can, can strongly enough emphasize memorizing Scripture. When we memorize Scripture, we give God kind of fuel to speak into our life. When, when God sends Scripture into our heart and our mind as we're going about everyday life, there's no question, like, is that God's will? What, it, it's Scripture, you know? Uh, when we encounter a temptation, when we have memorized Scripture, it helps us to battle temptation. That's exactly what Jesus did. When we have the opportunity to share our faith Man, how great is it to have Scripture and just to be able to go, well, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and to have that kind of in our, in our memory bank. And so one of the ways that we can interact with Scripture is, is memorizing it. And I tell you, that gives you fuel later on to, to meditate on it. And so we need to hear Scripture. We need to meditate on Scripture. We need to memorize Scripture. Uh, and there's, there's a few more I want to hit. Uh, this is Acts chapter 17. Verse 11, Luke's writing about uh, Paul and and one of their journeys, and he says this, he says, Now these were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica, for they received the word with great eagerness. And this is the important part. They examined the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. They received the word with great eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. And so we've heard this before, right? You probably have told your kids this, don't believe everything that you hear. And, and one of the things that's beautiful about living in our day and age is you can hear all sorts of, of Bible teachers, Bible preachers, right? You can hear people from across the country. Uh, if you hear a message that you like here, you can go back and listen to it again. If you're all out of town and you miss, you can listen. Like, we have access to just tremendous teachers. The problem, though, is, is that we also have access to sweet-sounding people that don't say a whole lot of truth from the Bible. We have people that walk around with the Bible who don't really say a lot about the Bible. And so one of the things that we need to be skilled in is not just hearing and receiving the Word of God, but being like uh, these people in Acts is, 
examining the scriptures daily to see whether those things are so. And so um, hearing's kind of at one level and we, we can meditate and we can memorize. But we also have to get to the point, you know, where we study. And sometimes that's different than just our daily quiet time. It's where we focus on a word, we focus on a character, we wo- focus on a book and maybe we just camp out there and we hang out for an extended period of time learning all that we can, reading all that we can. Um, I'll tell you this, there's a lot of, there's a lot of resources Online, there's some great websites that I'd love to point you to. Uh, but I was, did, did you know we have a prayer room? We have a prayer room here. I found out about the prayer room. And if you go in the prayer room, it's, it's down towards the social hall and to the left. There's like good commentaries in there. And they're just sitting there. And there's some great resources and some great avenues. And there's some great things that we can study that will teach us more about Scripture. And so we need, to, we need to interact with Scripture at all levels. And one of the things that we can do is we can, we can study all right, so we can study, and here's the next one. This is going to be a little bit strange. I'll admit that, but I think it, it paints a beautiful picture. This is Deuteronomy 17, 18. Moses, Moses is speaking. He says, Now it shall come about, when he sits on the throne of his kingdom, he shall write for himself a copy of this law on a scroll in the presence of the Levitical priest. Now, I know you don't have a whole lot of context here, but this is what's happening. Deuteronomy is at the end of Moses' life. He's gathered the people together. He's about to die. They're about to enter the promised land. And Moses prophetically speaks. and He says, you are going to cross over into the promised land, and you're going to want a king. God's your king, but you're going to want a king. You're going to want a king because you're going to look at the nations around you, and you go, they have a king. I want a king. And so God's going to give you a king. He's going to give you a king that, that you ask for. But this is what needs to happen with the king. The king, when he sits on his throne, he needs to have a copy of the law in his presence. But he doesn't just need to have a copy. He needs to have a copy that he's written out. And so I, I, don't, I missed this for a, a whole, whole lot of years. But the idea was, is that the king wasn't supposed just to go to the temple and grab a scroll and say, hey, this is mine, and have it sitting by his throne. The king was supposed to get a copy of the scroll and get his own blank scroll and copy out the book of Deuteronomy for himself. And one of the things that I think teachers have found out and that they've, they've found out through studies is that when students take handwritten notes, they learn a lot better when they just hear or when they just see something on the board. And so I think it's fascinating that thousands of years ago, God had this idea like, hey, when a king comes on board, he needs to know God's word. And the way he's going to know God's word, if he writes it out... And so, um, one of the things that, that I came across a few years ago that, that is pretty cool is it's called a journal. It's a, it's a journal Bible. And so, this is the book of John. And, and it's, really, it's really pretty simple. You open it up, and it's, it's blank pages, and it's chaptered and versed out. And so, this is John 15, 18 through 23. It gives you lines for long verses, lines for short verses. And so, you copy out the book here. And then you write your, you know, your thoughts, your prayers, your, your questions over here. And it forces you to, to slow down. You think you slow down when you have to hear God's word. But when you have to write God's word out, it, it forces you to slow down and pay attention and pick up on things that maybe you just skimmed over. And so a couple of years, somebody kind of pointed me to that. And uh, I was like, man, that would be a great thing to, to hand down to, to, to Cole or Luke. And so I remember I spent... Uh, 
Uh, I spent a year, and I just, three verses a day, I would write them out, and I would think about them, and, and so that's something that hopefully I'll be able to, to pass down uh, to Cole, and then um, I'm going to do Luke for Luke, because I just feel like that makes sense, but that's something I'll be able to pass down, and so um, one of the things about writing God's Word out is it, you slow down, you pay attention, and you get kind of just this idea of what the scribes must have experienced. I'm going to tell you, if you've got a child or a grandchild that's like going to be heading off to college, how, co- how cool, not just to give them like a Bible, but say, hey, I wrote this out, this is, this is God's word through my hand and my heart, and I want you to have it. And so anyway, I'm not selling these, but I was just a big, uh, I was just a big fan. Uh, and again, this is not a command. All the other ones have been commands, you know, meditate on God's word, study God's word. This was written uh, for the king of Israel. So unless you're in line to be the king of Israel, uh, you're off the hook for this one. Uh, but I think it's a great tool. I think it's something that br- would bring uh, some value to your life. Uh, two more, two more, but they're going to be familiar. Matthew twenty-eight, eighteen through 20. I probably don't need to read it, but uh, it says this. It says, and Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. You know, we're all familiar with this passage, go and make disciples, baptize them. But listen, it says, teaching them all that I've commanded you. And the truth is, is sometimes we want to put teachers in like this special category. You know, like, well, they're a teacher, I'm not a teacher. And the truth is, is that there are certainly people that are gifted at teaching, but it's something that, that we all should do. It's like any other thing. You know, there are certain people that are very gifted at sharing the gospel. You know, they can strike up a conversation, they can speak truth, they enjoy that, they, they, they thrive on that, but that doesn't negate the responsibility we all have to share the gospel. There are some people that are very gifted musically and can sing wonderfully. I'm not one of them, but that doesn't release me, release me from the responsibility of, of making a joyful noise to the Lord. And it's the same way with teaching. We're all Required by God, not just to, to hear God's word and study God's word, but to teach God's word. And for some of us, that's going to be in a more formal setting, whether it's in church or Sunday school. Uh, some folks, that's going to be more informal. That's going to be you looking down the line and seeing someone younger than you and going, you know what? I want to spend some time with them. I want to invest with them. And that looks super spiritual. Uh, what you do is you call them up and you say, hey, I want to take you out to lunch at Flying Cowboy. And you, you take them out to lunch, and you sit down, and you, you get the chicken with the mushrooms and the cheese on it, and then you talk about life, and you talk about Jesus, and you talk about God's Word, and it, and it looks like a normal everyday conversation, and that's exactly what it is, only you're using that time to teach them what you know about Jesus. And so we all, we all are teachers, and we're teachers whether we want to be or not. You know, People watch us, they look at us. They hear what we say, they watch what they, we do, they put it together, and we're teaching people something. The question is, is whether we're giving thought to what we're teaching, whether we're being intentional about what we're teaching. And so when it comes to Scripture, we all have a responsibility to grow ourselves, so we have to also have that responsibility to teach others. And here's the last one. This is James chapter 1. James chapter 1 verse 22 says this. It says, But prove yourselves doers of the word, and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But the one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. 
I'm always amazed when I read about the Pharisees in Scripture. If you study about the Pharisees, they were very, very intelligent. Uh, they, there would be a point where they would memorize the Old Testament. Like that's a, that's a, like it's hard to read the Old Testament, let alone just to, to memorize. They would memorize that Scripture. They'd memorize their Bible. And yet, when you look at the New Testament, the Pharisees don't get a whole lot of positive light shed on them. You know, Jesus encounters um, tax collectors, prostitutes, thieves. He, he encounters these people that you would just expect him to go, man, you're, you're terrible. And yet Jesus shows grace and he shows love and he shows forgiveness and he welcomes them and, and speaks love and, and, and life to them. And yet when we get to the Pharisees and Jesus' harshest words are, are to the Pharisees. He calls them, you know, uh, whitewashed tombs full of dead men's bones. He just, he goes after them. And I think the reason is, is kind of what James talks about. Because they weren't effectual doers. They, they knew God's word. They had it here, but it didn't never move down here into their heart. and never made way into their life. And so I think probably on a Sunday night uh, at 6 p.m., I think most of us are probably not in danger um, of falling out into some you know, terrible, awful, crazy sin that you read about in the, in the newspaper. You know, um, we, we, may, we, may, we may fall into that, but I, th- I don't think the danger necessarily is more so on that side. I think the danger is more so in line with the Pharisees. I think we have the danger of, of this, of, of coming to the point where we've studied and we've learned and we feel confident and we become self-righteous and think we've got it all figured out. We, we, we focus so much up here that we lose, lose the heart and we lose the action behind the scripture. And so one of the things that we've got to keep in mind is that even if we meditate and we study and we teach, that this doesn't take away our responsibility to live out what God speaks into our life. And so um, no, matter, no matter where we fall in any of those, those uh, tools that we can use, we've got, to, we've got to live God's word out. We've got to allow it to transform our life. And so just to, just to kind of recap uh, where we've been, God's word is something that we can hear. It's something that we can meditate on. It's something we can memorize. It's something we can study. It's something that we can write out. And it's something that we can teach. But most of all, it's something that, that we, can, we can live, we can uh, take action. And so, um, again, I, was, I guess I, I was hungry when I was writing this. I was thinking about ice cream, Okay. And so, um, you know, I grew up and it was ice cream and you had like vanilla ice cream and that was, that was all there was. And all of a sudden, somebody took you to Dairy Queen and it just opened your world up and you realize there's a blizzard. Uh, and then somebody made a Coke float and you realize, man, this is pretty delicious. And then maybe you went to the marble slab and like they put the ice cream there and you got to pick whatever toppings you wanted and they just made this beautiful creation. Uh, we went to somewhere um, a couple of, not too long ago and they just took like the liquid ice cream and they poured it out on this metal sheet and it just kind of froze as they worked with it and they rolled it into these little beautiful rolls. Um, and the truth is, is it's, it's all ice cream. It's all milk and sugar and delicious and terrible for you, but it's kind of neat just to interact with it in different ways. You know, it's kind of it kind of just breaks up the monotony of eating eating the same thing in the same way. And so, when it comes to God's word, God's word doesn't change. It's it's God's word. It's truth. Uh, it's it makes an impact in our life. It's it's sweet. It's uh, beautiful. It, it's it's life, and it's everything that we need. But that doesn't mean we have to approach it the same time. 
uh, the same way every time. There's different ways to interact with Scripture. And so uh, I've got a couple of encouragements for you, I guess challenges as you head into this new year. Number one uh, is this, is, is find a plan for how you want to read the Bible this year if you don't have one already. If you've never read through the New Testament, there, find a plan to read through the New Testament. If you've never read through the Bible, uh, find a way to do that. There's a, there's a ton of different ways, but have a plan. And here's, here's the second thing. Uh, don't, don't let the Bible get boring. The Bible is the greatest, true, epic story that will ever be written. Like, it's, it's, it's true. It's not a movie. It's a real-life event that we're a part of, and we shouldn't allow the Bible to get, to get dry and to get stale. And so if you kind of feel that in your own walk, then, then pull one of these tools out of your tackle box and, and try something a little bit different and see if it just breathes life into your time with God's Word. All right, let's pray together. Father God, we love you. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that uh, we're not just left here guessing about this life. Lord, but you, that you've spoken clearly, you've spoken pr- plainly. And Lord, that your word is recorded for us. And so Lord, help us to be faithful in approaching your word, uh, recognizing it as your word. And Lord, help us to, to hear. Lord, help us to understand and help us to, to live it out. We love you, Lord. Amen.